Welcome to Rookie Designer. My name is Jake Van Ness from Graphic Precision, and I'm here with my co-host, who is back from vacation, Carl from Holy Carp Design. How you doing, Carl? I'm I'm back. It's yes. kind of jarring to be <laughs> back in the world. I've, yeah, it's it, it was nice to be away. Very nice. Yes, I'm sure it was. So, where did you go? We went to Scotland. We stayed in a small town called Arbefoyle, which is about 20 miles outside of Stirling. Um, and Stirling's kind of like central Scotland. So if you're going to a land war in Scotland, you would have to pass through Stirling, as we all saw in Braveheart. Um, so we were centrally located. We had a car, and we were able to go anywhere we wanted. So we, we kind of stuck to the central area we didn't go into the highlands but we went to glasgow we went to um edinburgh and drove around a bit cool cool so i know you were sharing a lot of photos uh on facebook and and doing stuff like that but so what what was some of the highlights of what you got to do sure we went to four different castles uh including sterling edinburgh uh inverary and the Dune Castle, which is from Monty Python and the Holy Grail and Outlander. Um, so we've seen four different castles. Uh, we hiked maybe three or four different paths. Um, and we went to three different distillery tours. Nice. That is really cool. Now, you were driving on the wrong side of the road over there, weren't you? Yes, constantly. Um, and it took maybe... Uh, an hour and a half to get used to that. Also, you you really need someone on in the passenger seat to keep you honest on the right side of the road, reminding <laughs> you constantly. Um, and then you're dealing with just trying to understand all of the signs. So I recommend before driving that you learn the basics of their signage. Um, learn what some of the visuals mean and also make sure that you learn of any um closed roads that you, <laughs> um our lovely little um kia kia seed actually uh came with a uh navigation system which was essential really oh, sure. Yeah. sure that that had to be an experience to be able to just I can imagine it gets overwhelming because not only, like you said, you're driving on the other side of the road, you're trying to make sure you don't screw that up. And mm-hmm. then having to figure out the signage and the differences in the signage over there compared to the U.S. Because even, we even have that issue with within the U.S. that you, some of the signage could be a little bit different depending on what yeah. state you're oh, in yeah. and stuff like that. So that I can imagine being overseas, that's kind of crazy. Well, your wedding was absolutely gorgeous. I'm really glad I got a chance to to see that. And you definitely had this whole castle theme going on with getting married at a castle and then going over to Scotland and visiting all the different castles over there. So my question is, is there heritage on her side or your side that's Scottish? Yeah, it's her side. They are MacDonalds. So okay. M-A-C-D-O-N. So if you're a McDonald, I think you're Irish. If you're a MacDonald, you're... Um, Scottish. Uh, so that's her side, and you got to get know them pretty well. Um, yes, they having, they were a fun crew to hang out with, that is for sure. You drank with them the first night that I was there, and then you drank with them the second night I wasn't there. So uh, that was pretty funny. Glad yeah. to hear it. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 was, it was a lot of fun. They were a blast. Um, your mother-in-law is 
absolutely adorable and hilarious to hang out with and a lot of fun. And you could just tell she was having a blast with the whole thing. So, oh, yeah. it, And then the rest of her family was great. It was, it was funny to be there knowing you and then just have like this run-in with her entire side of the family and be like, okay. <laughs> but it was great to meet your brothers and to meet your family as well and to meet a lot of your friends and stuff. And it, the crazy thing is this is only the second time that Carl and I have ever met in person. We had only met one other time in person, so it was kind of crazy to think about that and realize that we've been friends for quite a while, but it's always been more of an internet friendship and obviously the, doing a podcast and being designers. But it was great to be able to have a chance to finally see each other again in person and to have that great experience of seeing you get married. And and your wife is absolutely adorable. and, and She's great. She was a lot of fun, too, and, I, and you're really, really lucky. And also, you, you'll you notice that the group I sat you with, that was like my networking group. This is the uh, this was the table of people that work with Carl, but also have helped support me throughout my career. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I think we made a decision that you're difficult to work with. No, no, that wasn't what we said. No, not at all. <laughs> so that, um, that was a lot of fun as well and, to meet a lot of those people. And you met my, my all-star cheerleader, too. Um, the one that helped inspire me alongside with you and going to launch my own business. So Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. So I really appreciate being invited. Congratulations again. Thank you. And I'm glad you're back. Now, last week I got a chance to record with Tawny again, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. We uh, got a chance to talk about Pinterest and how designers can use Pinterest to really help promote their brand, promote their business. She's really, really good at that. So if you get a chance, please go back and listen to episode 173 um, with Tawny again. Again, she's got that book out. You can find that in the show notes at rookiedesigner.com slash RD. For this one, it'll be 174. And definitely check out her book. But go back and listen to that podcast too. It was a really good podcast, a little bit longer than we normally do, but she had a lot of great information on how to use Pinterest. Yeah. So let's jump into design news. What do you got this week? So this interesting course came up and this is along the lines of our um, idea of trying to disrupt the educational system for graphic designers because we we don't need a four-year degree to do what we do. It's it's an expense, especially with how much college has cost. So the New York Institute of Art and Design has launched an online graphic design course. This is brand new. Now, uh, having read this um, announcement, I dug a little deeper and looked at their course catalog and how much they charge. You can do their graphic design course for an amount of $1,500, which is the most expensive course they actually offer for their online courses. But you can pay that as uh, $60 down, 70 a month. Now, what does this course include? It's going to include learning Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop and um, becoming uh, ACE certified, which is an Adobe certification, certified expert or something like that which is something that I don't actually have. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Graphic Design, but I've never gone and become certified, and I'm thinking, hmm, that may be actually worth doing. That's really interesting. I totally missed that part. You you actually get the Adobe certification exams, and that's crazy. So one thing that kind of jumped out to me, which... 
being my background, being a print designer and a publication designer, I was like, hey, why Adobe and Illustrator and no InDesign? But I realized that the majority of graphic design courses are focused around Photoshop and Illustrator, which is part of the issue with some kids coming out of school is they don't spend enough time dealing with print design and publication and layout. So it's interesting that even the online course, I'm like, hey, what about InDesign? But I think it's great that you have that opportunity to take the the Adobe certification courses because that opens up the opportunity to become an instructor for Adobe at, at any level. Like you can just start doing it on your own or you can that you can work with them and, and go to conferences. So it's a great way to have that opportunity as well. So that's really cool. I did not realize that. The other right. thing that I thought was hilarious was that when you sign up for the course, you get 25% off another course. So I was saying to you before we started that I'm going to take the graphic design course, and then maybe I'll take the landscaping course because you never know what you might need as a background course for your fallback. I could become a landscaper as well. I'm not sure how that works online, but be interesting well, to see. <laughs> I'm looking at the – I mean the design course is cheap enough that it could be a nice refresh and – Depending on what the tuition is and how it applies, you may be able to get 100% of that back through the lifetime learning credit or some okay. other tax um, oh, okay. yeah. tax credit. I'm not sure if that would work with this tuition. I, it depends on how all that pans out, but it is worth investigating because if you could get reimbursed, it's worth you basically it's a zero sum game on this. Um, but they also offer courses such as interior design. Uh, creative writing was one that caught my eye. AutoCAD, which is, um, they're not going to teach you all of the nuances of um, like load-bearing walls and all this stuff, but they'll teach you the how to use the programs. I'm assuming that. They may teach you stuff that I, I'm not assuming. Um, and also they have... Um, floral design and wedding planning and wedding planning for me would work very well because I work in the wedding industry yeah. with a lot of my design work. So I could, per, or event planning even, um, which is kind of parallel to this leadership training. I could launch um, a leadership training type service where I'm not just doing virtual trainings, but I can help facilitate the in-person trainings. So yeah, and this is a, just to be clear, this is a graphic design certificate. This isn't a degree, but what it is is it's tied in with Adobe. So that's why well, they offer the, the ACE um, at, exams. At my wedding, you met my younger brother who is yep. doing what he's doing with just a, uh associate's degree, and he's doing pretty damn good. Yeah, that was interesting to talk to him and see the difference in the path that he took and what he's doing with it and some of the frustrations that we share in what he's seeing some of his colleagues deal with and what he's seeing with doing projects on the side and kind of doing some high side hustle stuff. He's realizing that how the industry is, is doing and what people have to do in the industry. So it is interesting that he has a two-year degree. He's now working for a company full-time but he's still playing around with, okay, I still want to learn some other stuff. I want to see where I really want to plant my feet and figure it out. And he's very self-taught, uh, very self-paced. So uh, one, his dedication to learning through, say, Code Academy on how to do websites is amazing. Um, he just He's learning the professional practice of the design, how to work better, how to work faster, how to not waste your time. 
and he's really heavy into the production side of things, so he will know how to make a file work, even when it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I think he and I had some really good conversations, because that is a lot of my background, is coming from the production side of things, as opposed to going to school, and, and having that production aspect, I think, has helped me quite a bit. So, looking at this article, and some of the more information from the New York Institute of Art and Design, I thought one of the lines that kind of goes into my news item that was interesting is Adobe reports that as many as 90% of creative professionals use their software to produce top quality designs and visual elements. Well, my news item talks about the fact that maybe that percentage will go down a little bit with some of the competition. Now, I talked about Affinity Publisher from Serif, uh, I guess Serif's the name of the main company. They also produce Affinity Photo and Affinity Designer. And this is Affinity Publisher, which is now out in beta. And it's basically their competitor to InDesign. Now, it's it's out in beta, so you can download it. You can test it out. I highly recommend it. If you use InDesign, check this out. It's a free beta. It's a great way to see like what some other software is doing that's similar to InDesign. But I think what's interesting is I read an article that's over on Creative Pro by uh, Steve Kaplan, which is Affinity Publisher First Look. And he went through some of the elements in Affinity that or in Affinity Publisher that were interesting that aren't necessarily in InDesign or they're in InDesign in a different way. So some of the things he talked about were obviously the the publisher interface is very similar. It's got the the um the docs, it's got the toolbar. It, it's very similar. I think any of these programs are going to be very similar because they know they see what works for Adobe, so they're going to copy a lot of that stuff. Now there there's things like I'm looking at certain palettes and they've got sliders which are a little bit more like Photoshop as opposed to InDesign for colors and things like that. One of the things that he brings up is overset text. Overset text is when you have a text box and you have more text in that text box than shows in the text box on the screen. Now, in InDesign, we tend to get the little red plus symbol in the bottom right-hand corner tells us that there's overset text. The only way you can see that text is to pull the box and make it bigger or to hit that plus and place another box to see how much text there is. Affinity Publisher actually gives you a tiny little eyeball that you can click on, and you can see the rest of that text. So you can know how much you need to edit. Now, for me personally, in the space of doing the newspapers I work on, I could see where that could be really, really interesting for me to say, okay, it's because right now I actually have to go and do like a, a place and say, okay, I've got two extra inches that need to be cut by the editor. It'd be awesome just to be able to click on a little eyeball and it shows me two inches, and I know that I just have to go back and tell him that. Um, there's gradient masking for images, which is something that InDesign does not do great. Um, they got the same, they, they have a paragraph tool. What I found interesting is some of their palettes have a lot more in them, where InDesign might have some of that stuff hidden in other places, like hyphenation is actually hidden in a different area than the paragraph. Now, you can I think you can turn it on and off, in the paragraph ballot, but you can't control some of the settings and stuff. Where an Affinity Publisher, you can actually control those settings right in that palette. 
Um, InDesign is also very good for being like transitioning as you're using different tools. You'll see the different options come up at the top of the program. Does this one kind of have that intuitive interface? I'm not really sure. That's something that I haven't had. It. I've downloaded it, but I haven't had a chance to actually play with it yet. That's actually part of what I plan to do this weekend and, and maybe a little bit this week. Just I want to take a small project I have. Like I have a thank you note I have to do. I may actually design that in Affinity Publisher just see what that's like and see if if it's something that I'm comfortable using or, or if it's something I'm like, oh, God, I'm going back to to InDesign, which I laugh because there's a great discussion in the InDesign group on Facebook, and Anne Marie, who is part of InDesign Secrets, said, you know, we all have to remember that when we moved from Cork Express to InDesign, we always had that, well, why has it worked this way? It didn't work this way in Cork. Why would we do it this way? It it seems so counterintuitive. Well, now we look at it and go. Why would I do it any other way? Because I've been doing it that way on InDesign. So I think there's a lot of that same mentality when people open up Affinity Publisher. They're kind of like, well, why would you do it that way? I think it's great that they're coming out with this. I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can move this to tablets. That would be really interesting because they just moved Affinity Designer, which is kind of their Illustrator competitor, to the iPad. They've had Affinity Photo on the iPad. I'd love to see a publishing program go to the iPad. Now, I'm not saying that's the best place to do layout, but it'd be interesting to be able to do some manipulation and stuff like that in the tablet atmosphere and then play back and forth between the desktop and the tablet. One of the things... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say two things that I would ask is how well does style sheets work? Do they work for uh, characters, paragraphs, and tables? And also... um, it's called Affinity Publisher. That that name. I'm wondering if I'll get in trouble with Microsoft <laughs> Publisher. Maybe yeah, worth exploring. I yeah. I think they need to. I I almost wish they'd do something like layout or I, I don't know. Like I'm not a fan of the publisher name either. But back to your first question, styles. Again, what is interesting is they put paragraph styles and character styles in the same panel. So that I thought was kind of interesting. I'm interested to play with that. Word that, does that too, though. Yes. And, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, what that entails. So there's a lot of really interesting information in this article. Obviously, it's just a first look. The other thing to keep in mind is this is a beta. It is not 100% stable. They know that. They know there's issues with it. But obviously, the point is to get it in the hands of designers to say, hey, how does it work? What do you like? What do you dislike? But I think what we're going to see come out of this is maybe some feature requests for InDesign. I'm sure a lot of these that we are seeing in Affinity Publisher are over in the feature request form for InDesign, and they have to obviously make the decision whether it's worth putting new, those new features in or not. But I think it's interesting to see a competitor out there that is building a pretty good program from what I'm reading and it's going to be a good competitor the biggest thing with Affinity is that it is not subscription based I think that is going to be a huge selling point for them especially for younger and newer designers that don't want to dish out the large expense every month to be able to use the Adobe products now obviously they're limited they have to pay for each program on its own 
but it ends up being cheaper than what we pay for cloud for the year. So it's interesting to see that they're going that route. I'll have a link to this article, the one that Carl talked about. I'll also have a link to where you can actually download the beta for Affinity uh, Publisher. I definitely say check it out. They do one more last thing. They do have a button in Publisher that makes it allows you to jump to Photoshop, jump or sorry, not Photoshop, jump to Affinity Photo and jump to Affinity Designer. Those are not active as of yet because it's in beta. But I thought that was interesting that they have those buttons to be able to quickly jump back and forth. So that was kind of a neat little added thing in there. So I'll have the links to these. Again, links to the show notes are rookiedesigner.com slash rd174. So we've gone a little long with our news and obviously catching up with you. So let's keep our main topic a little bit shorter than we normally do. But what did you want to talk about? So coming back, um, I had been back um, about two days when I had my BNI 60-second pitch um, last week. And even though... I basically was going to use a metaphor of likening design to the craftsmanship that goes into scotch, making scotch. Um, in B&I, I delivered this kind of like a, uh, I don't know, uh, like the Titanic. <laughs> I had bold... Um, plans to make this metaphor work and it sunk but that's because i was not capping it enough but all this kind of goes back to this whole service triangle where you need to talk about uh service price and quality is that the three of them quality speed and price yes yep. all right quality speed and price cool um all right so let me try and paint this metaphor for you we're going into um these whiskey, this Scotch whiskey distillery tours, and we're seeing how artisans actually make this work. And there are only, you may have a distillery that puts out a, a ton of whiskey uh, each year, but it's only 12 people that work the line. So each one is well versed in the whole production line of this distillery. And the process is a very involved one. And it takes a lot of time as well as a lot of patience and know-how. They're going on intuition. They're going on scent and smell and taste. And they're going on uh, knowledge of how these uh, things work. So I was tying this to graphic design. You know, why we don't hire the Fiverr.com type designer. Because you're, you're basically going with hacks versus artisans. Now, you, you can get results, and if you need something that's quick, dirty, and throwaway, then maybe Fiverr is right for what you're looking for. But when you're talking logo design, especially a logo that's going to be out there in, say, on a restaurant or something to represent your business, you need to hire someone that's well-versed in the field of design. So one of the things, back to the whiskey distillery, when you start um, taking the, the malt and putting it in the still, they have a process where they draft um, three times from the still. They have the head, the heart, and the tail. So the head is, um, when it comes out, when they pull it out of the still, it 
it's turquoise in color. It's um, something you don't want to drink. It's like a bad logo. It'll make you go blind or kill you. <laughs> nice. Then there's the heart. The heart is what's going to go into the whiskey barrels to age for 12 years. This is kind of like the well-thought-out design. Um, so when you're talking to your clients about why hire me, you want to make sure that you can give voice to the heart of the project, the heart of your logo, the concept. For for me, concept is king in these logos. And when I convey to my client what my service is, it's learning about their project, partnering with them, and coming up with a logo that has heart that will connect with them as well as their own clients. And then there's the tail. And the tail is a little too weak to put into the to um the barrels but when the head and the tail are mixed together they're they're put in the still again you can get heart uh, more heart out of it so you can take the enthusiasm of the head and you know the tail to this is the idea of reworking concepts maybe it's not for that client maybe it's for another client or maybe it's for me i actually will take other logo design concepts and work it into a design uh, uh, client's brand as iconography or other aspects of their design for their full brand. Because I'm no longer just a logo designer. I am a brand designer. That includes the visuals of the logo, ideas of the voice that goes with their company, and then just this whole suite. Um, Part of my service level agreements that I'm giving to my clients now is a brand standards guide. So I like to take everything out of that, the, the design concept still, and try and reuse that uh, uh, within a brand. So that's and my I metaphor, think, better delivered. And I think distilleries have that same thing because once they figure out how they make their, their whiskey, their scotch, they realize that that pattern that they have developed or those steps that they've developed they need to keep those the same so that they're consistent and so their product is consistent and it's the same thing with a brand that's why you give that guide and you say okay this is how you use your brand consistently i think the thing that we talked about when we first brought this up was the whole idea of the head is kind of the new designer, the, the unfortunately the Fiverr or something like that, where it's somebody who doesn't really have a good grasp on how to design something. They're giving you something that is not really good. So that's the head. I could see where you could look at the tail and say that's also a designer that's not really put together well your concepts or listen to you as a client really well. And so you've gone, you, you've gone past the point of, that heart and you might have had a good concept but they just keep going with it and they're not really listening and they kind of veer off and so they're going well past and and i think that's where you see contracts get canceled that's where you see locos where, where people go to a different designer because you've gone past the point of giving them what they were looking for so it's interesting yeah. that metaphor and you may get clients that feel burned from other designers i mean we've all dealt with that but all that being said, um, you know, that idea of the head and we, we have, I refer to Fiverr.com because it's like the $5 logo, but I don't think $5 logos is the, the problem. It's the five minute logo. 
basically that because if I'm ma- if I'm making only say a hundred fifty or two hundred on a logo, I I can't invest the time that I would for a full brand because it's it's not going to put food on the table. By the time you're done with that whole concept and that whole project, you won't you won't even make enough to you know satisfy a day worth of work. Right. Well, and I think it's the same thing again, go back to the whiskey and the scotch. Now, a logo shouldn't take 12 years, 18 years, and 20 years to come up with, but a brand may mature the same way that whiskey scotch does, that as the brand gets used and as the brand develops, it matures and it becomes a life of its own and it becomes stronger the same way that 12, 18, 20, 24-year-old scotch has a different maturity to it. It's the same thing also where if you go to a designer that can turn, that says, okay, I can get this logo done in, in a day and turns around 20 concepts that they did like two minutes each, it's kind of the same idea as a local person distilling scotch on their own, learning how to do it, but doing it quickly. Because I've had both. I've had homemade scotch, and I've had scotch that's been aged very well. There is a heck of a difference. There's a difference in the taste. There's a difference in the burn, which is like a client getting burned by another designer. You can get burned by somebody's scotch because it's so harsh. So I've had both sides. So I think when you brought up that metaphor, I was like, that is such an awesome metaphor because it fits so well. Because the idea of distilling anything, whether it's scotch or whether it's brewing beer, that is an art on its own. Like the reason that the craft industry for craft beers and craft distilleries have has exploded is because that's an art. Those people are truly artisans, and it's the same thing with logo design. You have to take the time to do it correctly, and then you have to teach your client how to use their brand correctly so that it matures and becomes strong enough to really stand on its own and get like the same way that Apple, Nike, any of those big brands, they have matured to the point where they can stand on their own, whether it's the swoosh or it's just the apple, and that icon stands on its own to show the maturity of that brand. So these artisans that work on the distillery um, take years to train, but rookies can also work like artisans. You've got to respect your craft, you've got to respect your abilities, and not kind of succumb to some of these projects that are the quick money. Um, yeah, you need to build a portfolio, but that's better served better by serving nonprofit institutions, you know, giving them the work and a lot, asking them for the time to do a full brand project or a layout. Maybe it's a newsletter or something. So um, I'm just trying to tie this back to the, the people that are starting out you know, Jake and I have been in the field for a long time. It may be easy for us to say no to some of these projects. But even as rookies, we can treat our field, our craft, with so much respect that we can act like the artisans, you know, fake it till you make it. Um, well, and I, and I think it goes back to two. And I think it's more prevalent in being a dis- is distillery is internships in apprenticeships where a lot of people will go into a distillery or go into a brewery 
and they will work with the headmaster and say, okay, I want to learn from you how you do this. And then as a side gig, they might go off and say, okay, he, he or she taught me to do it this way, but I'm going to throw this into it and see what happens. Or I'm going to change this and see what happens. And that's how they develop their own artistry with it. I think it's the same thing for designers. I think designers should really reach out to mentors, learn from them. And that's obviously why we do this podcast is we want to be in in an indirect way mentors to other designers to say, okay, here's the stuff you need to think about. Here's the things that we thought about. And then, yeah, you say, okay, I'm going to put my twist on it that makes it mine, that makes it my artistry. And it's the same thing with that that industry. That's why it ties so well together is that there's so many things in the distillery that are the steps that you need to think creatively on how you put together a brand. Right. So I think that's that's an awesome analogy. I think that was when you first brought that up to me, and believe me, I understand when you do a sixty second, sometimes it just crashes and burns and, and you look around the room and everybody looks like they, they have no idea what you're talking about. But I, I would say you ought to take this, maybe not next week, but take the same thing again. Go back, try it again and see if you can really get them to understand or even during your eight minute really find a way to correlate the two and kind of show it visually how it works, whether it's taking something from the distillery that shows the head and the tail and the heart and do the same thing with a logo and say these are the difference between a head logo, a heart logo, and a tail logo. So I, I think that's a great analogy, and I hope that people kind of understand where he was going with that because I think it's a really good one. Yeah. Um. And, you know, as rookies, I guess the the, easy, the best way to learn the craft is to reach out to designers in your field, the artisans, and talk to them. Ask them for an informational interview. Ask them to teach you a few techniques. Or just, you know, see if you can actually intern with them. And, and again, to go back to what I've seen happen locally with distilleries and breweries, they do a lot of collaborations now where two brewmasters will come together and develop a different beer and it'll be a limited time beer. It's I think it's the same thing as you and I coming together on a project or myself and Tawny working on a project and learning from each other how we do things that might help us in the long run. And that's exactly what, and I, I don't know what the term is for somebody that's the head of a distillery distiller i don't know maybe but i i just know from the the brewery standpoint that a lot of the local breweries bring people in that are brewmasters for other breweries in the area and say okay let's work together because they know that that brewmaster may have tips and tricks that they do that could help them down the road to tweak their recipe to make their beer even better or to come up with a different beer and it's the same thing with scotch even the even the learned can learn from one another like I had you covering for me this past week, and I forced you into the world of world uh, word. Thanks so much for that. <laughs> You'll be thanking me when you get paid for it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> in the continuing work that comes up. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah, that is a perfect example of it was just something that I wasn't really comfortable with, but 
at least I could reach out to you and say, okay, if I'm not really sure about this, what do I do? And you were able to give me some pointers with that. So I, I think that's a great analogy. I think we've, we've covered that really well. Like I said, I'm going to keep this a little bit shorter because we're running long. So let's jump into what are the rookie recommendations this week? What do you All got? Right. So I had posted two, and you chose the app over the whiskey, so we'll do the whiskey next time. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a cool app that I found because I want to start sampling colors out there in the world because I've had people ask me for a specific color. And this app is called, give me a second, Color Grab. And this app is put out by Lumatics. So basically, um, it uses the camera, it has a little pointer uh, in the yellow circle, and it processes the main color within that circle and tells you the hex number. It even quantifies it as, say, light gray or dark blue, and it gives me a hex number. I'm looking at my screen right now. The pink from Ebates is a E474, so it gives me the whole number. So if I want to build a brand based off a few things that I can see, this thing will help me get those colors that I want. That's really interesting. It, it's that's really interesting. Yeah, that it can cool. grab that information, and it, it looks like it helps you basically extract the color out of photos. It can help you come up with color themes. They really push the fact that it's accurate, which uh, obviously that's really important when it comes to that. And then it says you can export it to design software, so that's kind of cool too. I haven't tried that yet, but that's pretty cool. Now there, not to, now this is an Android only app, correct? Not sure. Yeah, it looks like it is. It I mean, Android's like... the only one I care about. Yeah, you. But there is there is a competitive app in out there by Adobe, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, there's Adobe Capture, which is a little bit broader of a uh, capture app because it'll get into fonts, it'll get into patterns. But it, it it's kind of started out with being a color capture app, and then they realized they could pull this other stuff in. So it's very similar to that. Um, I don't really get into that very often, but it's something I really should look at more. Because obviously the stuff around us, to be able to capture that information around us and utilize that in what we do for design is really important. So I'll have a, a link to Lumatics Color Grab in the show notes. And then I'll also put a link to Adobe Capture CC so people can see what that is as well. So my recommendation really doesn't have a whole lot to do with design. It has to do with a company that I really think is doing some cool stuff. And the company, it's a sock company called Bombus. Bombus originally kind of came out of the woodwork on Shark Tank. And they actually had, they got investment on Shark Tank. And what was interesting is a lot of people were like, okay, it's a sock company. Like, why would anybody invest in this sock company? But I think what made this company really unique and what makes me want to buy from this company is this statement. Socks are the number one most requested clothing item at homeless shelters. They talk about the fact that they heard that statistic and they said, we need to do something about that. So what they do is for every pair that's purchased, 
they give a pair away. So while these socks aren't cheap, you have to think about the fact that you're doing good by ordering these socks. So I've it's funny because I've gotten these socks every year for Christmas, probably the last two or three years from my parents, and I didn't really understand why that was going on and like what this company specifically, why they were picking this specific brand. And when I did the research, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. This is really a good company that's doing something outside of making money. Now, they've done very, very well financially, but they realized that they could help the the problem with socks for the homeless. And so every pair you buy, they give a pair away. They have dress socks. They have athletic socks. They just recently came out with um, skiing and snowboarding socks. They have a very interesting design to them. They have a lot of interesting innovations that they've done, which you're thinking socks, how much innovation can there be? There's some. It's interesting. They're very, very comfortable. So I also can say they've given away 10 million socks because they've actually been doing some advertising on radio where when they gave away, they thought 10 years, 10 million socks. They did it, I think, in a year. And one of the owners got the logo tattooed on their body. Yes, I did hear about that. That's correct. I forgot about that. And they've that. got a radio ad on that. So it That's... may be worth finding that ad. Yeah, he he. I remember hearing about that because he was kind of like I I obviously I was hopeful we'd do it, but I never thought it would actually happen. And he goes, "When it happened, I I was obligated." So they make there's some other like they're very colorful, they're very fun. They've got some stuff that isn't as crazy looking, but they've got some fluorescent colors, things like that that are a lot of fun. I think the brand is pretty cool. It's a it's a bee, and somewhere in here it said where the bee comes from. It, all right, so bombas derivative from the Latin word for bumblebee. Bees live in a hive, work together to make the world a better place. They're small, but their combined actions have a big impact on the world. Talk about a very, very strong brand message and a very interesting brand. And then the bumblebee is a really cool logo with a little crown. So I think it's hilarious he had to get that tattooed on and I- I love the font they use for their their uh, name. Yeah. Yep. Very unique. Very, it stands out. Very simplistic in a lot of ways, but unique as well. Um, one of the things I, I found really interesting is when I was looking through the socks and stuff, they actually have a really cool like mom and daughter and dad and son set. So it's the same colors, but the size are different. It's kind of a cute little set that they have. So I would, I would definitely check them out. I have them in the show notes as well. Um, really cool company. Like I said, they were on Shark Tank. They got invested in, I think the guy invested $200,000 or something like that to get them off the ground. And really, really impressive. So I would definitely check them out. And if you want comfortable socks, definitely give them a try. And the pairs that you've had, they last a good amount of time? Oh, well, that yes. That's the other thing is they last... A long time. I don't think I've replaced any of the socks that I've gotten in the last couple of years. And I've had a lot of other hiking socks and other socks that I go through in like a week. <laughs> so these these stand out really well. All right. So I think that's everything we got this week. I appreciate you coming back and being on the show again because I don't want to do this alone. I did that one episode alone. That's not as much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I gave a listen to the Pinterest one, and I want to thank Tawny for covering for me. Um, 
great episode and uh, good insight and helping us get focused on the, the world of design again as well. We've been talking a lot of about business, but we also can talk a little more about the art behind what we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's everything for this week, guys. Remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star.